I, I think when you look at real estate as a business and not just an investment, um, you start to look at it in a different light, right? And your tenants, not as rent checks, but more like customers. Let's get ready to scale. Hey guys, welcome to yet another episode. I am Jeanette Robinson. Joining me today is Jake Clopton. Jake is the president of Clopton Capital, a commercial mortgage brokerage firm. I, uh, interestingly enough, read an article that referred to him as a real estate and finance mogul. So I had to go dig around and see why. And it's because he is also the president of Fractional CFO Services and Clapton Insurance Services, which for uh, those of you just to kind of paint the picture means that he's kind of a one-stop shop. He can help secure financing. He can help structure investment models, uh, put together, you know, pro, pro formas for sponsors who want to outsource that and get your insurance uh, needs all tied up and addressed as well. So very impressive. He actually also has his own personal portfolio of multifamily properties, and he began his career as a trader focused on LIBOR, Fed funds, and treasury notes. Jake has a BS in economics from Kinesis College, and a fun fact, he was a one-time guest on a reality TV show called Below Deck, where it looked like he got to have a lot of fun, and he's coming to us today from Chicago. So Jake, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Sorry, we don't have it on a boat, man. No, it's, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> all right. Well, Jake, you definitely are a person that I want to hear from, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners do too. So let's talk about financing. I mean, what a roller coaster it has been between the Fed interest rate hikes, uh, uh, the Dealing with that, dealing obviously with inflation, uh, qualifying terms have definitely been changing. It has just been a lot in a very short amount of time. So tell us, how has this impacted business for you and what is it like behind the scenes? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's definitely different, right? Um, but, you, you know, I mean, I've been doing this for 15 years, so I've been through you know, many cycles and ups and downs at this point. Um, so there's a lot of similarities to, you know, just the stuff that happened in the past. Um, but, you know, it's definitely interesting. I mean, the, the thing that's a little bit different today, and it, well, maybe like right now at this point in time is, you know, it feel there's a little bit of uncertainty out there and it's kind of hard to tell like what's going to come next because it does to a degree feel like some of this bank stuff is just starting. Um, and you know, there, there may be more skeletons out there or another shoe to drop. Uh, maybe, I don't know that that's the fun of it, right? You don't really know what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, just generally speaking, I, I think the, one of the major themes just in, you know, the banking sector in general has just been lower liquidity. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and then also, you know, just uncertainty on the bank side, um, like, you know, because of the bank failures, you know, a lot of uh, like bank credit committees, you know, are, are kind of looking at things and saying, well, you, there's definitely more regulations coming down the pipe from the FDIC. Right. And also, you know, we don't want to make stupid loans now. So, you know, let's maybe just not make any. Like, for instance, I've you know recently heard of a couple large banks that were big CRE lenders that just said they're done for the year. And I'm like, it's like May. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. Another thing that's interesting, and, and we market to a lot of banks, um, and, and just to, you know, define a little bit more of, of who we are, we're, uh, we're an intermediary, right? So we connect 
owners and operators with capital sources. Um, a lot of our capital sources are banks. And, you know, we're still using a lot of those guys. I'm um, still bidding stuff out to banks. One thing that I've noticed happening more and more often is banks uh, asking for compensating balances for doing loans. Like, for instance, you go to them asking for, you know, a loan for something and they come back to you and they ask you for money um, <laughs> to deposit with them. Uh, it's a little counterintuitive. Um, right. But I mean, it basically tell, tells you that, you know, there is kind of a liquidity constraint in, you know, in some of those institutions um, that that's real. Right. I mean, that's that's showing up in, you know, the bank failures and, you know, kind of across the board. Um, so, you know, what happens next? I'm not sure. So, you know, so, some of the other interesting things is like, you know, while there are constraints in the, you know, depositories, um, private lending is really active. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the most interesting thing that I'm seeing out there right now is, for instance, when you do like a large, you know, private note, there's usually like an AB, like an A lender and a B lender, right? And the A is usually a bank and the B is some private guy. And it feels like there's more liquidity for B notes in higher cash tax pieces than there is like for low leverage A notes, which is counterintuitive, but, you know, kind of plays into, you know, what's happening out there. Um, so, yeah, interesting times and remains to be seen how much more interesting it gets. Uh, yeah, interesting indeed. Uh, now, I'm curious, you know, if we listen to uh, certain, you know, sources on the media, it sounds like, you know, the sky is falling and everything is, you know, just impending doom and gloom. Um, how much would you say is still actually kind of working according to, quote, normal versus, you know, some of these other outliers where, for example, you have these lenders that are saying we're done lending for commercial properties for the rest of the year? Yeah, I mean, it depends. Every bank is different, right? And it really depends on which bank it is. Like, for instance, the, the bank that I just recently heard that is done lending for the year was in Florida. That being said, I have another bank in Florida I'm working with that has something like three, four hundred million dollars to lend out this year. Right. And they're increasing. And then, you know, so, so there are certainly banks that, you know, are, are kind of cutting or put, like hitting the brakes. And but there's other ones that are expanding and, and you know, have a lot of liquidity put out there. So it really just depends on who you're talking to, candidly. Um, you know, yeah. that being said, it kind of feels like, I mean, to me in the, the whole system, like, yeah, rates are higher, you know, and capital costs more. But it feels like it's more of a crisis of confidence. And there's just uncertainty and fear in the system than anything else. Right. I mean, if you look at, you know, actual loan performances and actually look at the rest of the macro factors that's, that's going on, like employment and everything. I mean, the economy is on fire. It's just the rates are really high. Right. I mean, you know, we have I mean, where's unemployment. It's still hard to even find workers. There's so many jobs out there. So, you know, it, it, it's, it is a weird, interesting time. Um, and, you know, and there are I think the best way to describe what's going on in CRE is pockets of distress based on some macro factors and then also just, you know, I, I would say people getting caught with, you know, not anticipating rates rising the way they did. And, sure. you know, CLOs are, are a big focus point of that. Right. Um, and then, you know, office, you know, obviously that that's just kind of like a, a macro trend that's happening. 
<clears throat> but you know, real estate has a way of always, first real estate has a way of always kind of like figuring itself out. So there's always already people trying to figure out what to do with those office buildings and reconvert them, which is probably what we'll end up seeing the majority of, right? Um, so, yeah. you know, definitely pockets of distress and concern out there. But I mean, overall, you know, I mean, property performance, you know, once you get outside of those areas it is good. And, you know, even the stuff that's in those CLOs that, you know, people are like, oh my God, there's so much distress in multifamily because of CLOs. It's not, it's not really the underlying property, right? It, it's really the fact that they were just over leveraged going in. Right, right. I mean, the, the you know, the, the macro factors in like the demographic trends for housing have not subsided. If anything, they've gotten worse because now there's going to be less supply coming online in the near future because rates have gotten higher and it's harder to build. So, Absolutely. I mean, that trend is still well intact. Absolutely. Not to mention also that this is going to really also discourage homeowners who's going to want to get financing at these terms for a mortgage right now, if they can even qualify. Well, so. right. I mean, the more expensive it becomes to buy a house, right? I mean, think about it. Like, they got to live somewhere. They have to live yep. on the street. I mean, they get pushed back into the rental pool. Mm -hmm. yep. Right? So it's kind of this feedback loop of like the higher rates go, the more rent increase, you know. So, yeah, I mean, that just those trends are certainly still intact. And, and this, you know, this increase in cost of capital is just going to decrease deliveries and probably make that worse. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, to kind of touch back on something you said earlier, you're definitely correct. And it's interesting that we're seeing the banking sector uh, do the same thing that I'm seeing uh, basically in the multifamily sector from a sponsor standpoint. You know, some people see distress and other people see opportunity. And it is truly interesting, right? It's just such an interesting time. And people are having different perspectives on the, mm -hmm. on the situations. And some are seeing it very negatively and others are seeing it positively. And I think kind of the, the truth, I'm sure, lies in between. Um, but you're right. We just don't know what's going to happen. And, and it's an interesting ride. Now, yeah, I guess I, a lot of the. <clears throat> how how do I put this? A, a lot of the, you know, mentality of like, is this the right time? And are guys willing to like jump in and take that risk? Com you know, it kind of comes from like the type of institution you're dealing with, mm -hmm. right? Like whether, you know, it's an advisor dealing with somebody else's money or if it's just somebody dealing with their own discretionary capital, right? Because think about it. I mean, if you're working for somebody else, um, why take a risk right now, right? Because if it, if it, if it works out, Great. But if it doesn't, you, you know, people are going to say, of course, you shouldn't have done that deal then. Like, what, look what was happening. Right. Um, but if you've got, you know, like a family office has their own discretionary capital, they don't really, you know, answer anybody but themselves. You know, they can take those types of entrepreneurial, you know, decisions to jump in now. And, if, you know, if, if it works out, great. But if it, but if it doesn't, then they, like, they only have their self-blame. Right. So honestly, you know, when we, we market to a lot of like LPs, you know, and a lot of those are like investment advisors with raised funds. And a lot of those guys, you know, um, right. I mean, I've cornered a couple of them because I sent them deals that they should have been doing, but they're not. Um, and I'm like, what's going on? You know, um, and they're they're just kind of being told to keep the deal flow coming, but they're not really executing anything. Um, and I, I think that is a, a large reason why, right? Because they need to preserve their ability to continue to raise funds in the future. Um, and this, you know, that risk is a, little, a lot higher today if they were to, you know, have a deal that went bad. Yeah, for their own, their own, I hate to say it, but self-serving interest in that moment, right? Well, right, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that you're totally right also, you know, um, when it comes to private equity, there is a lot of capital to deploy. It's just a matter of those that are wanting to deploy it versus those that are not. 
Um, it, it's just very interesting. Private lending, I think, is is uh, definitely on the rise from at least from what I've seen. And uh, I think it may be actually a trend that continues to carry forward, particularly while there is this volatility and just lack of confidence kind of created a little bit within the banking sector for the moment. So right. I, I think the biggest thing is going to come out of here is, you know, we, we had and this is the first thing that came up when Silicon Valley Bank went under was, oh, my God, these banks are not regulated enough. Right. Mm-hmm. which means we're going to go back to a period of high bank regulation and it's just going to be harder for them to do deals. And, you know, that in general is just going to push more deals into the private sector. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's starting to feel like anything that's a short-term strategy is just a private deal, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, you know, I mean, if, if it's a construction, if it's a bread, value add, whatever it is, it's a private deal. It's, I mean, it's really just not banks doing it. I mean, there's probably a bank involved in an ANO, right? Um, but, you know, you, you need some private guy to take the B um, and to really service the deal and be the face of the deal. Um, but, you know, I mean, the long-term term mortgages, yeah, a lot of those remain with them. But um, that's just the trend I'm seeing, right? I mean, if, if it's anything shorter than three years, it, it's a private deal. So. Um, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. I know one way, um, you know, kind of getting around it is looking for, um, you know, loans that can be assumable. Uh, I know that that's a strategy, you know, that is being implemented by a lot of sponsors. Uh, yeah. Advantages to that hard to find, but, you know, possible. And I'm curious about too, maybe some of the other strategies that you're seeing people take to kind of get over these hurdles. But before we get into that, let's get a word from our sponsor. Ready to Scale is brought to you by Blue Lake Capital, where we hunt down the best multifamily investment opportunities that we can find and invite investors to join in with us. We target Class B value-add multifamily properties across the Sunbelt. Our CEO, Ellie Perlman, invests a substantial amount of capital into every deal. This means our interests are aligned with yours. If you're an accredited investor looking to expand your portfolio and diversify sponsors, be sure to visit us at bluelake-capital.com. Blue Lake Capital. Be bold, be extraordinary, and keep moving forward. All right. So let's pick off, uh, pick back up where we left off, which is very important. So we've talked about the challenges. We've talked about the problems. We've talked about the uncertainty, but what about the I can do it creative solution over under around and through approaches? What are you seeing people do to make deals happen? Um, good question. So, so you mentioned um, finding loans that are assumable um, mm-hmm. that still kind of have that pricing from <laughs> like the lower interest rate environment. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's definitely a strategy, right? Um, some of the challenges I've seen with, I mean, those are always like agency loans for the most part. Um, the, the biggest challenge with those typically is that they're very low leverage, right? I mean, I see them between like, you know, maybe like 50% of whatever the acquisition price in, in below. And the, the challenge with agency is it, it's hard to, hard to get like a good product that levers over that. Um, I mean, there's agency prep you can layer in, right? Um, but you gotta be really careful of that because the agencies don't really like prep. Um, they really just want equity. Uh, so there's, there's very few groups that actually truly do that agency pref. Um, but I mean, it's a great option, right? Because it, it levers the deal with, you know, a class share equity that really won't take upside and just wants a coupon instead. Yep. Um, so, you know, you preserve, like if you were syndicating it for all your investors, they would get all their upside on the way up. Um, mm-hmm. So gr- great way to leverage that. Um, so that, that's, that's definitely um, something. And, and 
I, I don't know how many more of those there are out there. I feel like people are really looking for those. Um, uh, you know, my, my only concern with, with those and when I see people doing it is, you know, it, it kind of smells a little bit like, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the low interest rates driving value. So it's kind of going a little bit higher basis than maybe it would if it was just being sold at the market on like a per door, you know what I mean? So there's a little bit of that going on, but you know, I, I, you know, that being said, there, there's a lot of upside in those deals. Um, And as they say, ain't nothing for free, right? (laughs) That's true. Right. Right. So cheaper cost cap, right. I mean, it's all a math problem, right? Um, You know, I mean, specifically in multifamily, you know, I'm really just kind of seeing people just, trying to generate more off-market stuff mm-hmm. um, as off-market as you can. And, and I don't mean like, you know, like there's a real estate broker marketing something on LinkedIn saying it's off-market. Like, right. I mean, like guys actually, like, like those, like those crack up as But, um, you know, like actually pounding the pavement, that, like, like the, the sponsors themselves going out there and really finding, you know, off-market deals where they can capitalize on stuff. Um, I mean, other than that, you know, um, there, there's really, you know, people just trying to do what feels like some financial gymnastics, try to put together a cap stack in like a right way. Yeah. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of seller carries, um, you know, because maybe that's what gets the seller over the hump to keep, you know, to, to preserve whatever sales price he wanted, um, but also get in at the right level. So, um, you know, I think it just depends on the deal, um, but you're, you're not, you're not wrong. You're like finding those similar Assumable deals is good, if I can say that. And then, you know, really just like kind of paving for off-market stuff. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Okay. Well, and out of curiosity, you know, I am admittedly the director of investor relations for Blue Lake. So I have to ask you, what do you invest in? I know that you have some multifamily properties. Which markets are you investing in? Why? Uh, Yeah. So I'm in Chicago. Um, and not many people like to invest in Chicago. So, but I invest in stuff around here. Um, and the, the investing that I do around here is, you know, there's, there's a lot of like older buildings around here, but there's a lot of like incentive programs for like energy efficiency and, you know, various things that you can take advantage of. That I don't think a lot of people do. Um, so I, you know, around here, we invest in multifamily when they typically look for, you know, long-term owners that are kind of, you know, self-managing, you know, holding the building together with like duct tape and stuff. Like the guys can show up there for a week and like the boiler breaks, right? Um, right. And, you know, and we go in and we utilize like local programs to get like basically, you know, free mechanicals and insulation and stuff like that, right? So um, our, our thing is going in and, and, you know, buying it at, you know, whatever value based on the cap rate, but then I know I can, you know, dispose of, you know, this much in utility costs and X, Y, Z, and then it's worth that, right? Just because we've increased the bottom line through, you know, through expense reduction. Um, so that, that, you know, that that's my typical strategy around here. And there's a lot of buildings uh, like that around here. And I think in cities like Chicago, where there's lots of regulation and high utility costs, um, you know, you got to understand how to take advantage of like the local government programs um, to get free stuff because it always exists, you know, uh, in, in cities like Chicago. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Very smart. Very smart. Um, speaking of other smart things that you've done too, you were running basically three different companies, right? You've got your brokerage firm, you've got the insurance company, and then you're doing your fractional CFO services. So, right. I, you know, a lot of our, our listeners, um, you know, are, are generally passive investors, business owners. So what is your advice for juggling so many hats and basically being able to manage your time 
and still help effectively scale out and grow each one of your companies in a successful manner? Um, sure. I mean, the easiest way to kind of describe how I got into those and why was because, you know, I mean, one, you know, I've, I've been running the capital market stuff for 15 years um, and just kind of looked at, you know, ways to take advantage of, you know, the exact same people that I was already marketing to. Right. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, it, it's all the same people that are going to use each one of those things. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, typically what, you know, what we do is, you know, create like a joint venture um, with, you know, another person or something like that. And that's how we did the insurance company. Um, so basically what, what we do on the insurance side is we do hundred percent commercial property insurance. Um, kind of saw this coming, you know, three years ago. I mean, insurance is just ridiculous right now. Yep. Can absolutely. I mean, good Lord. I, I mean, it's, it, insurance in like Florida and Texas in like new Orleans, like the wind insurance is just great. I mean, I, we have guys that are telling us like, I'm not paying for it. <laughs> I don't care. I'm, I don't care what anybody says. I'm not paying for it. Um, and, you know, and honestly, it's probably just going to get worse. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of the, and it's coming down, coming from like the top down. Um, but so like, but our, our model, you know, and, and really saw that need. So my, my model was to um, kind of joint venture that. And, and again, it's the same people, right? So a lot of times when we're doing financing, you know, we also do the loans because we're, we're there kind of doing as well. Um, and, you know, the financial modeling side, we, you know, we deal with a lot of syndicators and, you know, the number one thing that most syndicators were telling me was, man, I just wish I had more time to actually focus on finding deals um, mm -hmm. rather than doing investor reporting and having to model this stuff in house and blah, blah, blah. And that's where, yeah, right. The idea came from. Um, so really, you know, we kind of look at our, I kind of look at the whole company as more of like an outsourced finance department. Um, mm -hmm. and not as much just like I'm a mortgage broker, or I'm an insurance agent, or I do like models, you know, it's kind of like, how can we, you know, be an outsourced finance department for, you know, people that are operating real estate to not have to hire a capital markets guy or not have to like, you know, deal with insurance or, you know, go to, I don't know, Pakistan to do financial modeling every, with a different person every time. Right. I mean, um, so that's, that's kind of where the ideas came from. Yeah. Yeah. Very smart. Very smart. Now, how do you yourself not lose your mind in the process of all of that? How do you make sure that, you know, you're managing your time well, you're managing your creativity, your energy, your passion, your focus? That's a lot of things to juggle. Um, I typically align with people that I think are smart and that know, I think, know more than me. Um, and then just let them do it and not try, try to do it myself. Like, you know, I, I, like, I, I don't, you know... There's a good say, like, I don't want to run too many races. Like, I'm going to, like, you know, one race, which is capital markets, and I stick to that. And then, like, when insurance stuff comes up, I'm like, I don't, I don't know, just talk to Drew, right? <laughs> that's, that's not me. So, yeah, I mean, just letting other people, you know, handle things without having to micromanage is definitely the way to do it. Spoken like a very smart and experienced entrepreneur. Very good. Definitely good advice. All right. Now, for your last little piece of advice here, before we jump into what I call the lightning round questions, uh, what advice would you give to investors today that are trying to capitalize on their investments as they're looking at investments in today's market? What factors do you think are most important that they need to be you know, taken into consideration? Um, good question. And usually my answer to this question is, you know, I, I think when you look at real estate as a business and not just an investment, 
um, you start to look at it in a different light, right? And your tenants, not as rent checks, but more like customers. Um, and then I think that, that gives a lot of insight into like kind of ways to operate the property and, you know, ways to attract the greatest rents. Um, so, you know, I, I would say, you know, making sure that, you know, you have the kind of right kind of like insight into the deal as, as actually a business and that your tenants are customers and not, it's just an investment and, you know, um, kind of treating it with no personality, kind of the, usually what I say. Yeah. Interesting. Good advice. Very good advice. All right. Well, now let's jump into the lightning round questions. So these are five questions that I ask all of our guests. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. All right. So what do you actually do for fun when you're not, you know, partying on a boat for a reality TV show? (laughs) Um, uh, There's only like two other things I do. I have three kids. um, So it's doing stuff with them um, or just, the gym or something like that. But I would tell you 90% of my time gets taken up by the three kids. Yep. Yep. As it should be seasons of life, right? Oh yeah. Yes. All right, cool. Uh, What about this? What is something that most people don't know about you? Uh, That most people don't know. Um, When I graduated from college, I was in officer candidate school for the Marine Corps to go to flight school. Oh, nice. Uh, Three-year waiting list. And they told me I was going to have to recruit during that time. So I said, nope, not going to do that and move to Argentina instead for two years. So <laughs> Nice. <There> Argentina. You, <laughs> go. <laughs> you got the travel one way or the other. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Very uh, cool. I, I, I liked, I, I don't know what the other side would have been like, but I, I liked the path that I chose. So. Yeah, it seems like it's worked for you. So very good. Uh, all right. What about as far as books? What book would you recommend every investor needs to make sure that they include in their library? Um, good question. I don't read as many books I, as much as I read the news today. Um, but one of the first real estate books that I actually really liked that was like good advice was the, uh, the rich dad, poor dad books. Um, and I, I really liked the, the, That's what kind of got me into real estate in the first place. Um, so I'd say those ones. All right. Yep. That's definitely been a common answer I've heard. Uh, Now, one of the things that we talk about here at Blue Lake is it's not just about money, right? There's a point to the money. And the idea is that we want to be able to live extraordinary lives. You know, we really do for whatever that may be on on whoever's terms. So what's your advice for building an extraordinary life? Um, well, that's, that was, uh, I was not expecting that question. Um, I know we go deep. Right. I mean, the thing is, it's kind of like asking, like, what's the perfect investment for some for everybody? Um, I think there's just a different answer. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, you know, what we do kind of gives you the ability to decide what that is for yourself. Right. It definitely gives you a lot more freedom and, you know, a, a lot more more upside, you know, and control of your own destiny than just, you know, working for somebody else or this and that. Right. Um, so. I, I don't know what everybody's individual extraordinary life is, um, but I, I think entrepreneurship and, you know, in real estate, certainly in general and having, you know, passive income like this gives you the ability to figure that out for yourself and the ability to actually go and do that, you know, rather than having to answer to, you know, somebody else and be on somebody else's schedule. And I mean, you know, I'm going to that. So. Yep. Independence is nice. That's exactly. for sure. All right. And then last but not least, if our listeners want to get in touch with you, where can they find you? Uh, oh, man, I'm exceptionally easy to find. Um, 
I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, super easy. Jay Clopton or, you know, go to our website, uh, hit the contact form or you can call us anytime. Uh, this is all I do besides hang out with my kids. So I'm always around. All right. Awesome. Well, Jake, this has been very fun. I definitely have appreciated your insights and getting to hear what's going on behind the scenes is definitely helpful. Um, you know, we will see where it all goes from here. Right. But I appreciate you helping us kind of understand where we are, at least until this point right now. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. And for those of you listening today, thank you so much for joining in. Please don't forget to like, rate, and review the show. Let us know more what you'd like to hear us. And in the meantime, be bold, be extraordinary, and keep moving forward. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.